Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Friday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. Welcome back to Yo MTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. And uh, I'm Stephen Marshall. And we had a big weekend this weekend. Uh, we had Pro Tour Magic Origins. Um, took place in Vancouver. Won by Joel Larson. He was playing Mono Red, right? Mono Red Aggro. Yeah. And uh, he beat uh, Mike Sechrist, uh, Ryan Sechrist's brother. Um and uh, what was he playing? Because I actually didn't get to watch the standard portion. He was playing blue-red artifacts. Ah, yes. One of the breakout decks of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty cool to see that. Hangerback Walkers are now at like $15. I know. Uh, still, should, you shouldn't regret selling when you did. I do. Ah. Nah, I'm joking. It's not nah. that you made money, you made money. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting uh, to see a new deck come out of the weekend. Um, I, like I said, I didn't get to watch uh, the standard portion. Okay, let me be honest. I didn't want to watch the standard portion, but I totally watched some of the draft coverage. Uh, but anyway, Steven, tell me a little bit about the uh, standard portion. So, like, with the red aggro, uh, what were, the ma- were there any major additions to the deck from uh, Origins? Or was it pretty much the same stock list from before? Uh, the biggest additions were Exquisite Firecraft, okay, four damage burn spell, yeah, and Abbot of Carol Keep. Okay, so good. Those those were both generally four ofs across all the different red aggro decks. Now, uh, did they, now these decks uh, they're still running the uh, Convoke spell, right? Stoke the flames, yeah, yeah, four of it. So four and four. Okay, so these are two big four damage spells. Sweet. Oh, that yeah. sounds beautiful. I mean, it, it, it gives you a lot of outs. There was yeah. a round one where Joel Larson won uh, the first game of the mirror match yeah. in which his deck looked very poorly positioned because he was running uh, three main deck fire drinker satyrs. And that's just like the biggest liability possible God, yeah. <laughs> in the mirror match, uh, especially when they're both running like searing bloods. <laughs> um, and I can't remember who his opponent was, but they seemed to have like a much better deck for the mirror. Yeah. Like, I think they're running, like, a main deck Chandra, which is pretty good, because it could actually start removing creatures. And they also had, um, I think, like, an Outpost Siege to bring in, because uh, essentially, like, with the red mirror decks, just they just turn out to be, like, a war of attrition. Mm-hmm. And then that just takes over the game. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just, I think it was just Joel Larson's day, because he played it perfectly. Because basically his out was... Four damage burn spell plus a one drop that could block plus a four damage burn spell. And he, he drew them in succession. Wow. And uh, won what looked like a completely unwinnable match, uh, at least hmm. game one. Uh, so, yeah, that's the that was the red decks. I mean, they're just 
none of basically all of them were not running Goblin Rabble Master, and instead they're running Exquisite Firecraft in that slot, and they're all running generally four of uh, Abbot of Carol Keep. Hmm. Uh, so those were the primary additions. Um, I think people were running that deck just because it's of the non-new decks from the week prior. The biggest decks were Abzan Control, Red Green Devotion, and I would I would have assumed, and I would have assumed it would have been more prevalent the um, Abzan Rally of the Ancestors Company deck, because yeah. it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, this deck is a favorite versus Abzan Control, the Rally deck, easily, and probably a favorite like 60-40 for the versus green-red devotion. Yeah. So it's just favorite ver- versus a bunch of decks and not favorite versus a bunch of decks that people aren't really playing right now, like green-white or... Uh, I feel like Jeskai might beat this. Uh, Soul Tide probably beats mono-red, but just generally decks people that were not playing. Right, right. Uh, the other the other big deck was still... There's still a lot of Abzan control. There's still a lot of green-red devotion. Um, uh, Brad Nelson was playing green-red devotion. Uh, the other like new deck or new archetype that hadn't really been seen before was the blue-red artifact deck. And a bunch of different teams showed up with a whole bunch of different builds of it. That's so cool. uh, they all had four Hangerback Walker, uh, some amount of Chief of the Foundry, the 2-3 three for 3 that gives artifact creatures plus 1 plus 1. Nice. Uh, they all had four Insole Artifact, four Shrapnel Blast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some had Stubborn Denial, some didn't. Um, most of them had four Whirler Rogues, uh, f- some varying number of Phyrexian Revokers. Uh, four ornith- Ornithopters were, were like standard across the board. Of course. Uh, four Ghostfire Blade, three Springleaf Drum. Um, and then the land uh, was pretty interesting because some were running uh, Foundry of the Council. Uh, consoles. Some were running Tomb of the Spirit Dragon like as a one or two of and like another one or two of in the sideboard. <laughs> which is for, pretty first the, the red deck oh yeah 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 oh yeah that's right i forgot what that spirit dragon i was yeah. thinking of what that uh, yeah i forgot what that card did yeah okay yeah yeah i like it uh, yeah gain a life for every i like it a lot oh, i had it in my sideboard in modern man i like it <laughs> yeah so that was pretty cool somewhere either either even running like a one of oh god it was the Giraper aether grid yeah, the, oh, the tap two artifacts and deal of damage <laughs> or something? Yeah. What? Yeah, it's like a one-of. That one seems dumb. Thopter Foundry or what? what is it? No, not what's Thopter, Thopter Spy Network. That thing, yeah. Uh, some were, some didn't run any of it. Some were running like two or three main deck with another one in the sideboard. Okay. The, one that, uh, the deck that made, I think, top eight didn't run any at all. No, it ran, it ran three in the sideboard. I'm wrong. I was going to say, like that, that seemed like a really good choice for that deck yeah versus a non-aggressive deck you bring that in uh-huh yeah. um it was pretty interesting i mean the deck had a lot of uh ways to deal just a ton of damage um yeah i love i love like in soul plus whirler rogue plus shrapnel blast yeah shrapnel yeah. blasting a hangerback walker is a lot uh, good god no key and peel uh some were some were running it uh, the one that made top eight did not uh mike Seegers. Uh, deck didn't, but some were running it as a two or three of. Uh, there are some versions that are running uh, Thopter Engineer, the one three for three that gives your artifact creatures haste. And yeah. And one Thopter out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's just a ton of different, like a lot of, like multiple different teams came up with kind of the same idea and brought it. Basically brought the Origins draft deck to the Pro Tour. Right. <laughs> hey, it seems good, though. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Beyond that, there weren't that many new 
archetypes. Although, I mean, that's a pretty radical <laughs> new archetype. Yeah, well, I mean, they really did, you know, give it a lot of tools, you know. I mean, there were people toying with something close to that before, you know, more casual than anything else. I mean, I saw some stuff in FNM and things like that, hmm. you know, abusing in Soul Artifact and things like that. But, you know, nothing that was actually super competitive. Yeah. But uh, it's cool to see, like, you know, the last couple pieces fall into place and uh, to see something like that be enabled. Yeah. So uh, the other two new decks were – well, actually, this isn't even a new deck, but apparently it went 9-1 and one in standard with uh, – piloted by philip arcuni I, I think that's his name and it was just teamer yeah that no one has played in forever the right. four savage knuckle blades just straight up teamer yeah knucks man no doubt yeah uh so that was pretty interesting and i don't think it ran any new cards at all huh yeah, none nothing ah! <laughs> which is just weird that's so he just funny. he just rolled up the thing is he had to feed the clans in the sideboard which is really good versus mono red yeah I think Christian Calcano was running a uh, soul tie kind of mid range deck. Uh-huh. And it was just brutal. Cause he had a Tassiger out and cast a feed the clan and then unmorphed a Din protector to get back his feed the clan. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So I think he gained like 20 or 30 life over the course of a single game versus oh, my red. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was pretty brutal. That's incredible. Yeah, the Teamer deck, I think, was also running uh, Hornet Nest, which is really good, versus Mono Red. That's a pretty mm-hmm. good sideboard card. For sure. Uh, Ryan Kibler ran just green-white. Green, yeah. Green-white aggro with no collected company, even though almost every creature... Yes, every single creature, all 28, would are three or less. Huh. But no collected company. Hmm. It's kind of weird, but to a Johnny mentor of heroes. It's interesting. I mean, like, does he just not like the card, or? Uh, he said on Twitter that that was the biggest step forward in terms of the deck was just abandoning collected company. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, you just hit one creature and you lose value, you know, like. Yeah. And I think he actually wants the cards in his hand because he's got the Den Protector Death Mist Raptor. Yeah. But he's also running two hidden dragon slayers as well, so he kind of like has like a little more sub theme going on. Ah, so and... actually casting them from hand is more valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why you run the Johnny Mentor Viewers, because that just puts it in your hand, I guess. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, yeah, and then there was like a really weird Jun deck that ran. <laughs> Gosh, what was it? It had four Languish and then a bunch of creatures that didn't die to Languish, essentially. Huh. So it was uh, – it had four Languish, four uh, Tassiger, four Gurmag Angler. This sounds stupid. <laughs> it is. It is. Okay, yeah. So four Seder Wayfinder, uh, four Tassiger, four Gurmag Angler, four Reaper of the Wilds, which that one I don't know. That's iffy. But it's a four or five. Wow. Four, <laughs> four Flame Wake Phoenix. So, you know, when you're casting these four drops, you just get them back from your graveyard. Oh, my God. Uh, one Colagon Storm's Fury, one Dragonlord Colagon, and then four Commune with the Gods and four Gather the Pack. So you just mill over all these Flame Wake Phoenixes. Jeez. <laughs> and, then just, and then just cast your Tassiger for one mana and then rebuy all your Flame Wake Phoenixes. And okay. So yeah, and so you just don't care about Languish. So you're like an aggro creature deck, but self-mill and also four main deck Languish. Huh. 
So I thought that one was pretty cool. That That's was, fun. I, yeah, okay. I, I'm, I'm... McCall? McCohey? I don't know. Mokale? Mokale? Sure. Uh, I'm sorry. I butchered his name. But that one was kind of cool. That's a, That was a new one. Uh, and then beyond that, that was, there was, you know, just your standard blue-black control and stuff like that. That sounds, I mean, that, that deck sounds kind of cool. I, I was kind of like, ew, gross. But uh, after hearing the concept and, and hearing, you know, just the fact that you could cast Tasker for one black, so it's not like you're, like, playing all these five-drop creatures, <laughs> you know, just seems ridiculous. Yeah, <clears throat> so, I mean, basically what you want to do, it looks like, is, like, either cast a Seder Wayfinder or mill a whole bunch of stuff, languish, and then untap Tassiger or Gurmag Angler, and then bring back a Flamewick Phoenix and have eight power on the board versus, like, an empty battlefield. Yeah. I guess is what you're trying to set up. Huh. Did that deck do well? Yeah, it either went 7-3 and three or 7-2-1. So, it's not too shabby. Nah, that's fine. Not bad at all. Really happy for uh, Flores and Jerry T. Oh yeah. Because uh, they both uh, went X five, so they uh, kept the train going. They made the next Pro Tour, so that's really cool. Um, just great seeing Flores back on the Pro Tour. Really exciting. Mike yeah. Flores is one of the all-time good guys, and. Uh, I know not everyone agrees with me on that, but I <laughs> definitely think that is true. Whether or not you like him, he's one of the good guys. Um, yeah, the, the one other thing was that, like... A lot of people hate John Cena, too, but he's definitely a good guy. Uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it. But, anyway. Yeah, the, the thing that everyone said was that they thought Jace was amazing, but no one played him. <laughs> Like, only a few decks had Jason. Like, only a few decks were even playing blue. But there's, like, a consensus that this is, just like, an amazing card. And that because it's a Pro Tour, no one would be able to resist playing a really great blue card. But they weren't. So everyone decided it was a great card, and they would just play a deck that would beat it. I didn't watch any limited. Yeah. I watched a little bit. I I mostly was just watching the drafts Mm -hmm. to just kind of take in information before I did... Uh, my drafts that night for uh, for our Twitch stream for Legit MTG. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, actually, I can't remember who it was. I just had a really great uh, red-black sacrifice deck. <laughs> Drafted four enthralling victors. <laughs> oh, that was like the first, first round. Yeah. I actually listened to that while I was at Who work. was that? I was, that was somebody... Big. I just Maka, can't. Oh gosh, Japanese player. Last name starts with an M. It was a it was a Japanese player, and I just don't remember. Unfortunately, not gonna attempt it. I don't think it worked out for him though. Unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. I watched some drafts and uh, got ready for this the stream. And uh, so uh, Sunday night after everything happened, uh, I was sick as hell. I've just had a really really terrible week. Wednesday, I woke up. My back was thrown out. Thursday, I woke up, and my, I had a sore throat. Friday, I woke up, I had a sore throat, and everybody knows. Saturday, I woke up, and I had just about everything going on at once. By Saturday night, I was just dead sick. Sunday, I woke up, I had to call out of work, uh, and uh, just laid around the house all day and until I had to stream that night. And uh, still managed to pull it off, though. Uh, got on the stream and had a really interesting time. So one of the things that I've been... Uh, really interested in over the last year is kind of breaking down barriers or perceived barriers 
So, like, when the old PTQ system was in place, back when uh, Theros uh, Limited was happening, uh, Top 8 at my first PTQ. You know, that's a big barrier. Because you, you, you kind of, you know, you play these PTQs, and then you don't, you know, you, sometimes you feel like you can't break that barrier. And I didn't. So, that felt like a big deal. You know, I mean, like, we, I, I won a GPT. That felt like a big deal. Making day two of Vegas was probably the biggest barrier that I've broken in the last year. You know, like, just one of those things that, like, if you don't do it, it almost feels impossible, you know? But I, I did it, and I felt really good. And then, so, like, showing up to Dallas, I showed up almost with that expectation that I should make day two of Dallas because I didn't seem impossible anymore. So it's kind of been a, a running theme over the last uh, year or two, and it's something I'm just trying to do more and more of. And one of the major barriers that I have, um, because I just feel like my draft game is way worse than my sealed game, is winning an 8-4. Just feel... Because I just... I don't even know if I've ever... I don't think I've ever won an 8-4. Like... Cause I don't, I haven't played many of them. Cause I'll play mm-hmm. one, I'll get crushed, and I'll get scared off of them. So like, it's been this big imaginary barrier for a while, and so it's something that I'm determined to get over and break through. So, um, one way to, one way I have to do that is just to improve my draft game overall. And it was something that you and I were debating, me and Ryan were debating the best way to do that, and. Uh, you know, my argument was the best way for me to do that was to jump right into these 8-4s without fear and just do it. You can't win an 8-4 in a Swiss draft because you're not in an 8-4. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's impossible to win an 8-4 if you're playing in a Swiss draft. You're, it's impossible to win an 8-4. The best way to win an 8-4 is to play in an 8-4 and win it. So that was my argument. Your guy's argument was, well, if you want to improve a draft, you should play in the Swiss until you get better at it so that you can see more decks, play more rounds, get a feel for your decks better. Um, where I felt like uh, I wanted the pressure and I wanted the low margin for error um, because, you know, I'm practicing for high-level events. I'm practicing for, you know, top eights of, of PPTQs. I'm practicing for day two of Grand Prix. It's the kind of things I'm practicing for and, and wanting to, to get to. Um, so, uh, anyway, I played in... I hopped in an 8-4 last night on the stream. And uh, for those of you who uh, haven't had a chance to watch the stream, I'm going to be streaming every Sunday at 9 Eastern um, on twitch.tv slash legitmtg. Um, It's the LegitMTG channel. The show is called Head Games with Big Head Joe. Uh, Y'all should come check it out because I'm going to keep hitting these drafts and we're going to keep improving. And uh, we're going to break this barrier. Um, so I uh, hopped in an 8-4. And, uh, and I lost in the first round. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then I hopped into a Swiss draft. Uh, because I was like, you know, I want to actually play some games on the stream. So I did it, though. I, 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 I stubbornly hopped in that 8-4. I drafted. I got my ass handed to me. And I hopped over into a, steel, into a Swiss. Uh, I went 2-1. I lost in the finals of the Swiss. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to talk kind of just briefly about my first draft. So, um, my first draft, pack one, pick one, and this might be one that you'll hate me for. So here was my pack. Subterranean Scout, Aramancer, Touch of Moonglove, Reeve Soul, Dread Waters, Rock Smallers, Kithian's Tactics, Evolving Wilds, Nivix Barrier, Timber Pack Wolf, Citadel, Castellan, Hydralash, 
Bounding Crisis, Scab Clan Berserker. Which card did I take first? Uh, Reeve Soul. Yes, correct. Do you think that's incorrect? Uh, I'm trying to think what else is in that pack. I like Scab Clan Berserker is really good. What is that one? It's the 2-2 Haste, Renown 1. Oh, I don't think that's very good at all, actually. I like it. Um, you know, and I mean, you, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but <clears throat> once I passed that and then got pack two, and here was pack two. Smash Smithereens, Healing Hands, Infernal Scarring, Reeve Soul, Dreadwaters, Rock Smallers, Kithian's Tactics, Evolving Wild, Timberback Wolf. This all sounds familiar, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Stratus Walk, Goblin Glory Chaser, Revenant, Thopter Engineer, Island. Uh, Thopter Engineer. Easy. But <laughs> No, I took the Reeve Soul. Oh. <laughs> I took the Reeve Soul pick one. I took it pick two also. So anyway, I passed, uh, you know, a, a Thopter Engineer. I passed this Cab Clan Berserker. Somebody's in red. There's no way. So, so I basically got in on that. Um, and then I wound up, I wound up drafting a black white deck um, that was a little controlling. Um, it was a little slow, and uh, yeah, that doesn't sound very good for draft. Well, the problem was, well, this is the problem was, it. I played against blue white tempo in the first round, mm -hmm. so it just kept bouncing everything. You play a five drop. I mean, the fact that like. I wound up with one enchantment I was playing overall, um, and they bounced my Totem Guide Heart Beast, and I had to replay it and fail to find. I was like, oh, man, that's so obvious. That's so bad, you know? Uh, yeah. But I, I have to say I'm proud of myself. Pack three, pick one. I picked a Suppression Bonds, right? Mm -hmm. Over a Jace. I was very proud of myself for showing wow. discipline. Very proud of myself for showing discipline with that pick. That is one of the things. I sat there. I mean, I agonized over that pick for, you know, almost the full time. Oh, please. Um, I, I wouldn't even think twice. I'd slam the Jays. <laughs> Who cares? I didn't have any suppression bonds, man. I wanted one. I didn't see another one the whole draft. You know what that, I mean? Like That thing's like 18 on Moto. Yeah, well, discipline. It's what we're, we're, I'm, I'm playing to win drafts. I'm not playing to cash in cards for tickets so i wanted to practice discipline and i did it by picking the suppression bonds over a damn jace which... oh uh, speaking of jace yeah i actually read a pretty because i was just reading the dallas tournament report of uh yoel larson because he top aided uh, gp dallas before we oh. pro tour oh wow uh in his first draft he opened a jace and the person directly to his left opened a jace <laughs> and so he like realized that like time was precious in terms of, like so he immediately just like opened the Jace, announced it, just slammed it down after he saw that the person to his left uh, opened the Jace, <laughs> and like very enthusiastically. And apparently the that got the person on his left to just get off it, and the Jace actually made it like to fifth pick because no one wanted to get into blue. That's so funny. And then uh, in pack three, he got past a Jace. <laughs> wow. So he ended up with two Jaces. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, sorry. That's so funny, though. That's great. But yeah, I was, I, was, I was proud of myself for that. But yeah, the deck wound up being just a little too slow. And um, they just had so many different like bounce and put on top of your library. And when you're playing a four drop and then you're getting it bounced, it's just way too slow. Uh, they basically just beat me down with like a, a a cleric of the forward order and a and a uh, separatist void mage, right? Yeah, yeah, just basically beat me down with those two two twos. <laughs> now, how many two drops did you have? 
Um, I don't remember. Not that many. I had, I had Fetid him. Topin Freeblade? I think I had one, actually. Okay. That's not I had, bad. I had a Freeblade. I think I had two Shambling Ghouls, and I had three Reeve Soul. Um, of course, I drew none of the Reeve Souls game one. Um, so, you know, that's obvious how they were able to beat me down with two twos the whole game. Um, so, I mean, I had a decent amount. Um, I don't know. I just didn't, just didn't go well. I got, I got, I got destroyed. Uh, then I hopped into a second draft. Yeah, it was, okay. So my first, my second draft, my pack one, uh, was Deadbridge Shaman, Cobble Brute, Aven Battle Priest, Night Snare, Might of the Masses, Screeching Scab, Vastwood Gorger, Disperse, Claustrophobia, Mantle of Webs, Tormented Thoughts, Ravaging Blaze, Throwing Knife, Jace's Sanctum. Uh, claustrophobia. Nope, I took the Blaze. Which, I didn't, I wound up out of red, um, but I didn't take the blue. Um, I wound up, uh, pack one, pick two, taking a Rock Smallers, uh, pick three, a Stalwart Aven, then a Sky Snare Spider, and a Llanowar Empath, and I was pretty heavy into, uh, into green, green, white. Yeah, um, people don't like green, so. Yeah. If you're, it, if you're the real, the one green guy, you can actually get all the good green cards and make up for it. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem bad. I don't understand, really, why people are so out on green. I think that the problem is, is that green doesn't have, like, any removal other than, uh, what, yeah. wild, wild Hunger or whatever. Um, but, I mean, you can use your Might of the Masses as pseudo-removal. Well, um, but you have to pretty much pair it with a color that's going to have a decent removal suite, you know? Here's um, the other problem, is the traditional strength of green is that it, it wins creature combat, because they generally give green all the good, efficiently costed creatures. Yeah. But it doesn't even do that until, like, a 5-drop or a 6-drop, and it's yeah. a, in a fast format. So it makes all those 5 and 6 drops, like, much less relevant than they normally would be. Like, that Sky Snare Spider is an incredible card. It is. Oh, it is. Like, once I saw that pick four, I was like, yup, that's what's up, you know? Yeah. And then the draft went much better for me mm -hmm. um, because I was able to, like, uh, basically, I got past a bunch of green pack one. Um, I got past a bunch of white pack two, you know? So then, like, it was just – and so then, like, I was able to just pass green freely if I – you know, I was able to pick the white cards over good green – or over decent green cards because I knew I was going to get fed green pack three. Um, which wound up happening, you know, it wound up working out well, um, which is good. And that's a major thing that I've been, uh, a skill I've been needing to learn is to just rem like know what I'm passing. It's more about, see, I think that that's what happened. I I've just had tunnel vision when I'm drafting, mm -hmm. just only focusing on what I'm taking and not so much like focusing down the line of what's being passed and what, you know, someone else is taking. And then being like, what? What happened? You know, like... Yeah. Um, I, I, that's, I mean, that, that takes time, obviously, to learn, you know, what's happening and, and, you know, why something is not getting passed to you and, you know, being able to react to it. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I was happy with this draft in terms of, like, taking... Like, being able to, like, take that Ravaging Blaze, pack one, pick one, and then, like just seeing better cards in other colors and, and just being open to going into other colors and not worrying about putting too much value on pack one, pick one, you know? Yeah. So, and that's, that's something I'm trying to teach myself. And I think that's going well. Um, just being able to draft the best available thing to me. What do you think of ravaging blaze? 
Oh, I think it's really good. Um, it, I think it's I think it's a really good card. Uh, I think it's fine. I don't know. I, I think one of them in your deck is amazing. Yeah. And then I've had a deck with three, and I'm like, okay, this is getting oh. a little clunky. No, <laughs> like, you, yeah. you don't want to. You don't want to have that in your opening hand. But I've had three claustrophobias and been like, oh yeah, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. You had a really sweet hand, where it was like, oh man, the, the hand was just beautiful. It was just like. A stalwart haven, two orchard spirits, three lands, and like a two drop. I don't remember what it was. I was just like, "Oh, it's beautiful." It was yeah. just this deck. This deck came together much nicer and played much nicer. Um, but uh, in the final round of the draft, I played against a blue red deck, and they had P and Kieran. Nice. Um, they had uh, they had the. Um, the enchantment that you can pay a red and make a copy when your creature enters the battlefield. Oh, boy. So they were just dropping Whirler Rogue and then paying a red and getting, like, two more Thopters to stick around. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty I, good. <laughs> oh, with that, that three uh, Ravaging Blaze deck? Yeah. I did win round four to go 4-0. Uh, game three, in-step, uh, ping his, like, Aven or whatever for one. Uh-huh. So I can get like so I can trigger spell mastery on the second one and then <laughs> actually blaze them on when I untapped for the full <laughs> amount. That's for so like funny. seven. Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> I didn't want to kill it. <laughs> right, right, right. You just I just had, yeah, I just had the win on board if I just blazed it. Right. God, that's funny. Yeah. Blazed it up, man. I'm really good at that. Yeah. It's blazing during his turn, blazing during my turn. Surprised I finished the draft I was blazing so much. Yeah, yeah. That's the cool thing, is that you can blaze and play Magic Online. Uh... <laughs> okay, so all of this, you know, watching these drafts and and playing these drafts, it's all in the immediate future for me, uh, helping me prepare for uh, GP Detroit in a couple weeks, which is Team Sealed. Um, now, the best way... To practice for Team Sealed is to try the format out. So Saturday uh, we got together. Um, it was a group of six of us, and um, it was me, Stephen, and Ryan against uh, Corey, Robert, and Shane. And we just kind of, you know, cracked twelve packs each and built some decks and and went for it. Um, and it's a really interesting format. Like uh, I, I. Felt like, so, you know, two-headed giant, you get 12 packs, and you build two decks. And, and you know, it, it felt, now we had the two seeded packs when we did the pre-release, you know, but it felt like we had the tools to make some ridiculously consistent, redundant decks, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, I really felt like that was going to be hindered by the team sealed, by the fact that you're building three decks now out of 12 packs. But it didn't really feel like that. We, I mean, we obviously, you know, you have some crossover where you do have to go, okay, which card goes in which deck? Um, who wants to play what? And it's a little harder. Like, we didn't have any crossover. Even though we were both in white, we didn't have any debate in the 2 a Giant over which cards would be played in which deck. Um... With three decks, it gets a little trickier, and um, and we did wind up having some things where it was like, oh, well, let me see that card, and what card is here? It's really hard to keep track of everything when you've got three different people building yeah, the decks. Yeah, we made a pretty big misbuild. 
Did we? With what? Like with one card, essentially. What um, card was that? Because I believe Ryan was playing like a red white or no a green white aggro deck. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. So I had yeah. So my first deck was like a black white enchantments. I had double blightcaster. Um, I had totem guide heart beast. I had a lot of decent. Enchant- I don't remember all the enchantments I had, but I had a lot of enchantments. Um, <laughs> and I and I look over. Ryan's playing green white. And I look over, and he's got a damn Blessed Spirits on the battlefield. I like, what the hell are you doing with that? Zero enchantments in his deck. And, I was like, come on, man. And you're, you, you, you had a lack of finishers. Like, yeah. <laughs> you were almost playing the 3-2 flyer that drains for two. Just because you right. needed something to finish the game with. Well, I had, I had a Koth of Fed. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, it is. Um, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, like, Blessed Spirits, man. That would have been a card, you know? Like, that was, like, the kind of card this deck needed. So, yeah, I mean, we obviously, like, were overwhelmed by the card pool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And really had not much of a clue <laughs> what was there. So, um, yeah, in the future, I'd recommend, like, even after you get the builds done, if you have extra time, just everyone that ha- like that knows what deck they're going to play and has kind of seen what it's trying to do and what its plan is, do a once-over of your deck and then a once-over of each other deck and see if there's not, like, a card that could be switched out. Because, like, that's what I did with yours and, well, just Ryan's deck because he was playing... Um, gosh, I, so he didn't even end up playing red. Initially, he had, like, a red-white build. That's right. And my deck had a bunch of, like, really replaceable one-drops and uh, dragon fodder and stuff like that. And I think he was running a fiery conclusion. Uh, and I think I snapped. Uh, I took that from him while he was still had while he still had the red white build just because it right. was like a lot better in my deck with right just a bunch of one ones right 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 um but yeah i mean i think that's actually really good like just take all three decks lay them out next to each other and look at them you know like to go okay this is everything we have let's look at this and figure this out um because yeah i mean we really you really do lose track of things with three players with two of us sitting there it's like oh you want this yeah okay but then it's like does Ryan have that i don't know what does he got oh man so it really got confusing um we played those three decks uh your deck was so awesome um i mean it was silly but or it felt silly looking at it but um it had a I mean, lot it was of just, um it had a lot of cards that had a very low absolute power ratio in the abstract. Yeah. But situationally in that deck, we're good. Yeah. So I, I was running a blue-red aggro deck, like incredibly aggro deck. Uh, yes. So I was running 16 lands, and that was actually too many. Yeah. <laughs> I, flooded, yeah it, it, I flooded out both games. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it would be too many with this curve. Yeah, so I had four fairy miscreants. And I think four is the magic number. I wouldn't run. I would not run a single fairy miscreant until I got to four, and we had four, so that was great. Uh, but once you have four, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had four of those: a goblin glory chaser, uh, a fiery impulse. Um, I think I had seven one-drop spells or creatures total. A titan strength and a bonded contract. I've got the list up in front of me here. Oh, okay, nice. You can run through the list because I don't remember it. Sure, 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 sure. You also got so your two, which is funny because you've got all these like one-drop aggressive creatures. You have no two-drop creatures. None. You've got 
Ascend to Sleep, A Negate, A Fire Conclusion, and Alchemist Vial. Uh, but then you pick it back up on threes. You've got Ram Roller, Crow and Sergeant, Scrapskin Drake, Artifice's Epiphany, Gear Crafter, Thopter Engineer, Acolyte of the Inferno, Exquisite Firecraft, Chief of the Foundry. Uh, fours, you've got Lightning Javelin, Whirler Rogue. Five, Willbreaker, which uh, we really did uh, kind of go heavy on the ways to abuse Willbreaker. Mm-hmm. And it never came up for you, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, that's not a Willbreaker deck. Not really, no. That but, was kind uh, of like a backup plan in case everything else goes wrong, and I happen right. to draw the Willbreaker and have the man to cast it, then sure. Right, because you've got Rogue's Passage, you've got Whirler Rogue, mm -hmm. you've got lots of different ways just to steal creatures, like, for no good reason. Send to Sleep. So now, this was the first, this, is this the first time you ever played Send to Sleep? Yes, because I don't think it's a good card. Because you just don't like that card. How did it actually perform for you, though? Uh, very poorly. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was okay. Like, I, I used it to tap down, like, two of his, like, one flying creature that was a, a blocker for my miscreants and a Jesse and Thief that I didn't want to spend a blocker on. Uh-huh. So I used it defensively without spell mastery, and that's the only time I cast it, and so that wasn't very good versus just, like, I'd rather have a, uh, like, an alchemist file. Right, right. That would have been better. So, no, I still don't like it. Okay. Fair enough. The dream scenario uh, of Will Breaker Send to Sleep does seem nice, though. Yes, it does. Uh, I just like Will Breaker Rogue's Passage. Just, that's true. That's just funny. That's just hilarious. I think Rogue's uh, Passage is, is just good. <laughs> Really yeah, I actually, so, you know, I got over my fear and I ran a colorless land in the green-white deck. And uh, just being able to, like, you know, they drop a Skyraker Giant. Just being able to, like, drop down the Rogue's Passage and still get my uh, my Orchard Spirits through is really nice. Yeah. Because um, they were like, I've got the plan. It's like, I got this plan. Um, but, uh, yeah, Rogue's Passage is, is pretty good. I, I think that that's one that's worth running. Uh, I, I still am of the belief that you run one colorless land per deck, no question. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think you run more than one, but I think one is fine. Um, I've tried two and been disappointed, and I've tried one and been happy with it, so I think that's probably right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get past the extreme of... I, mean, I also think that I'm constructing my mana bases a little bit better in this format, and um, I'm... Uh, you know, not overloading my deck with double color of green and white spells or whatever colors I'm in, you know. Um, and and I think it's working out. So I think my mana is just I'm I'm being nicer to my mana, and my manners my mana is being nicer to me. <laughs> so so I think one is okay. I'm I'm through the extreme of not doing it. So anyway, your deck was ridiculous, and we kind of made fun of you for your deck because it was so ridiculously all in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then you wound up being the only person to win your match. <laughs> so, uh, so that worked out pretty good for you. Um, I lost to an aggressive red-white deck. Uh, Ryan lost to a completely busted elves deck. Um, and uh, and you beat uh blue-black. Right? Uh, it was a blue-red deck. Blue-red, that's right. Yeah. Beat, an, beat a Molten <clears throat> Vortex, which is pretty tough to do. Since wow. Literally all of my creatures. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to beat a Molten Vortex often. Yeah, I mean, if you have, like, Rock Smallers, though, it's, like, a little more doable. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, sticking a, st I did stick a Rock Smaller against a Molten Vortex and did well. Um, actually, no, I didn't. I lost. 
What am I talking about? I did terrible. I still lost. But uh, but anyway, it wasn't solely be- it wasn't because of the molten vortex. It was because of um, the other cards in the deck. It was because of the whirler rogue. But anyway, uh, so we swapped pools. So that's what we did. We built these decks. We played against the other decks, and then we took the decks apart. We swapped pools, and then we built again. Um, in the second build, uh, Steven, you wound up playing the Green Black Elves deck. The Green Black Elves deck was so good, there was no reason to, to like, build anything else. Yeah. Um, that had to be one of the decks. Like, the deck was just so good. I mean, it had a, a what, a Dwinin? It had a Dwinin. <clears throat> it had uh, Leaf Gilder. It had, it had 14 Elves, which is... That's above the threshold, yeah. Oh, way above, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had the uh, Shaman of the Pact that pings for elves. It had yeah. the uh, Sylvan Messenger to draw a bajillion elves. Uh, it even had like a Null Root Trapper to make all your elves <laughs> like essentially unblockable. Uh, it, and it even had a Liliana, which is yeah. probably overboard. That probably should have gone to someone else. <laughs> Didn't really need that. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, the, so basically, I, I ran all creatures except for two spells, a Reeve Soul and a Macabre Waltz, just to get back the incredible creatures in this deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, the deck was stupid. Yeah, really good deck. Um, <clears throat> my deck, I wound up uh, building the red-white deck, uh, but I actually went more in a controlling direction than the uh, than the aggressive red-white deck that uh, was played. Um, so the red-white was split or the red was split between Corey and Robert in the first, the first match, but I wound up taking all the red and, um, actually only wound up putting in a little bit of red. Uh, but I had the molten vortex. I had the two fiery impulses. I did wind up running the anointer of champions two cleric of the forward order and a celestial flare two Knight of the pilgrims road, which just isn't very good. Uh, Blessed Spirits, Stalwart Aven, two Lightning Javelins, Suppression Bonds, Ember Maul Hellion, two Patron of the Valiant, Hyksus, Totem Guide Heartbeast. Remember what I was saying about not running double red and double white? Well, I didn't really pay attention to that with this deck. Sure. Totem Guide Heartbeast, Knightly Valor, Sentinel of the Eternal Watch, and Ravaging Blaze. Um, and uh, I, I think I wound up getting, I wound up being a little slow, uh, but I, I, I only played up to my second game. Uh, and then my wife got to the shop and I wasn't feeling great. So I just rolled out with her. Um, but, uh, at, at that point me and Shane were tied one, one game apiece. Mm. Um, but it felt okay. It was just like really top heavy curve. Um, a lot of fives and a six, not a lot of twos and threes. So it was, it was tough to stabilize, but I managed to, um, and then Ryan played a blue-black control deck that he felt really good with. I didn't love the look of it, like when we were looking at the builds at the end. But Ryan seemed really confident in his deck, and I wasn't going to to, to fight him over it because he was the one that had to play it. Oh, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know, I'm not saying I disliked it, but it just didn't seem like it had everything I would have wanted. It um, was missing some finishers. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, I've got actually here. I just found the deck. Um. He had two Starfish, three Shambling Ghoul, a Turn to Frog, Disperse, a Reeve Soul, two Water Coursers, a Jessian Thief, uh, Read the Bones, Sphinx's Tutelage, two Separatist Void Mages, a Tower Geist, a Languish, which is great, Weight of the Underworld, two Possessed Scabs, a Ring Ward Now, a Priest of the Blood Rite, and an Unholy Hunger. Oh, that's fantastic. I take everything back. That's a great deck. 
Yeah. It's pretty good. So it's got a great curve, great removal, powerful creatures. I, I don't know what more you want in a deck. That was a good one. Yeah, okay. Maybe one more finisher. Uh, yeah, but you have so much card draw, it doesn't really matter. Actually, no, you it's don't true. have that much card draw, do you? It's like... Well, no, you've got the Tower Geist, and you've got two Possessed Scabs, so you've got ways to bring it back, and you've got Read the Bones. Yeah, and the Jesse and Thief. Especially with the Control deck, that probably draws like two or three cards. Right, right. So, yeah, okay. So you got a decent way to to draw into some stuff. I don't know. Uh, but he did well with it. He liked the deck. I, I mean, I didn't see anything to make it better. You know, I think it, I think it was more um, me wondering if that was the best combination of colors that he could have mm-hmm. been playing. But, you know, I, I think it was an improvement. I think it was a great deck overall in hindsight. But at the time, I was kind of like, I don't know, you know. Um, so, I think what happened, so you wound up winning your match, Ryan wound up winning his match? Yep. Because I know y'all stayed later, and I left. I think it took like 10 total turns for me to win. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, it was just like, yeah. Both? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that elf deck was super busted. Um, so anyway, uh, there were a couple things that, you know, we learned from this. Um, for one is that, like, uh, we all played the decks we built. Mm-hmm. And that might have been a mistake. This is all. This is. I mean, I'm stealing from your notes, <laughs> but uh, but I agree. You know, like that. Like, just because you built the deck doesn't necessarily mean you have to play it. Yeah. You know, and I think that like we kind of are are accustomed to that. You know, and we're kind of uh, used to you built the deck, you play it yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. But moving the decks around the players based on you know skill level and or. Uh, you know, interest in a particular archetype, uh, regardless of who actually constructs the deck. And, and actually, even I'd go a step further, is that, like, each player taking a look at the deck and maybe getting their hands on it and making adjustments. You know what I mean? So I think that, like, I build a deck, I pass it to you. Mm-hmm. You improve on the deck, you pass it to Ryan. He improves on the deck, I p- pass it back to me and I have the final say. You know what I mean? And then and then decide who gets to play the deck, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really uh, – I think that's actually, you know, getting more hands on each deck and not just, like, looking over one, uh, your shoulder and going, why are you playing that card? It's terrible. You know what I mean? Like, actually, like, going, okay, thanks. Let me look – let me have this deck now and then, like, yeah, then, making actual changes. And then you'd be like, you know what? This deck does want a Brawler's played in it. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was a big debate that we had was uh, Steven tends to be very trolly when it comes to these sort of situations, like especially in group situations, <laughs> group testing situations. I'm an antagonizer. What yeah, you, <laughs> you are. You are. You, you're definitely like, I should play this stupid combo deck. Um and, 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 and then just driving the point home to the point where you've got everyone going, what's wrong with you? Why are you trying to do this? And then you're like, psych, I'm a mono red. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like getting a rise out of us, which is good because you know we'll totally rise. So <laughs> it's it's just we're, we're, we're it takes we're easy. to troll. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> and me and Ryan are very trollable uh, in terms of these uh, sort of situations. Um, you walked over to the trash can with that brawler's plate. I didn't take it to the I, trash yeah, can. You, you physically walked over there. 
But I think I was just You're... throwing out my tissue. Yeah. <laughs> um, either way, uh, yeah, at one point we actually – I was like, I need that for my deck. And I just like put it in my deck box. <laughs> but then I was like – so then I was like, okay, fine, Steven, why? Why do you want the Brawler's Plate? And you explained yourself. I was like, very well, handed it back. I was like, that's all I wanted to know was why. I didn't care that, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bad card in the abstract. And normally, right. I would say 95% of the time, it's a mistake to put in any given limited deck. Mm-hmm. But this one just so happened to draw a lot of cards, but cards of... Like flat, low power, but right that were evasive. So this was like a little flood insurance to make those one drops, like you know, those fairy miscreants, relevant in the late game. Right, right. And there was yeah, in game one, I was like, oh man, I just I would love to top deck a brawler's plate right now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was a very corner Casey. That whole deck was. Oh yeah, for sure. I at one point had a uh, had a was it red white or red black deck in the second pool um i had a deck laid out it might have been blue red i think it might have been blue red but whatever the point was the deck topped out at three (laughs) i was looking at like a hyper aggressive deck with like 14 lands um and like a million one and two drops but it was possible that's the coolest thing is that there were so many different possibilities with these sealed pools. Um, so there was actually, I mean, there was the possibility of a super aggressive deck um, that may have lost to a, to a return centaur, but, yeah. uh, but it was, but it was there. Um, and, and it was, it was buildable, but yeah, so I think that that's one thing um, I don't want to. And then another thing that uh, we definitely learned was that um, the best player should play the worst deck. And that's something I actually thought about prior to this mm-hmm. exercise was that, you know, uh, but, well, we all kind of played the deck that, you know, that we, that we built. Yeah. So we didn't really go into any of this, who should play what deck. We thought about which deck should sit where and who should sit where with which deck, but we didn't really, when we kind of took that pretty casually too, but we didn't really think about like, who should play which deck? And like, I think that that's actually a really good point. Is that the player with the? Um, I think the opposite is more true. Is that the worst player should play the best deck? You know. Um, yeah. Because that gives them the best chance to win. Um, where and then also, you know, the best player playing the worst deck, uh, that player can you know navigate those tricky situations or you know a tough you know tough build. Um, but you know, fortunate, hopefully you won't have a bad deck, you know, hopefully you'll have three good decks or at least, you know, one great deck and two pretty good decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but there could be a situation where you look at the three decks and you go, well, this is clearly the weakest deck. Let's put it in the strongest player's hands and, um, hope they can, uh, then pilot it to some lucky wins, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot to think about, um, Another thing, you know, with the seeding in terms of like, uh, you know, you've got A, B, and C, uh, you all sit together and you can all discuss everything in the match with one another, which really did add an interesting aspect, you know, because you're not, we're two in a giant you're discussing, 
and like you know, but you're constantly engaged with your teammate. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like there were times where you weren't at all engaged with your teammates um, in this, and you could just be on your own playing, jamming your deck. And I wonder if that's incorrect too. It you is. know what I mean? Like, I think that like we should. Uh, I think that like you should all three be working together a little more. Um, often and a little more consistently if you're going to play this. Um, so that way, like, you can always, you know, be like, okay, here's this, you know. I mean, you all know what's going on at any time in all three matches, uh, which seems a little overwhelming. But then there's an interesting aspect where, let's say you have two strong limited players and one player on your team that's not as strong at limited. I feel like putting that player in the center seat might be the best strategy because then you have two strong players who can, you know, play their matches out and, like, maybe not even, you know, need too much advice, but then can both feed the player in the center information, you know? Yeah. Um, or they can, like, think, catch a play out of the corner of their eye and be like, well, let's let's actually talk about that. Right, right. So, you know, I think that there's, like, some strategy there. I mean, this is all still early. I'm going to actually go tomorrow and test more with Jeff. <clears throat> but, um... These are kind of just kind of my first impressions of the format um, and kind of strategy going into it. Uh, it's really unique. Uh, it's really fun. I mean, it was really fun just being able to interact with each other. Because, like, so many times, like, you know, I'd be sitting next to you in a tournament and I want to be like, dude, don't play that card or don't, you know, like, you want to say something to your buddy mm-hmm. and you can't. <clears throat> it's really cool to be, you know, playing in a format where you're playing individual games, but you can totally chime in and say something. Like, that feels really good. (laughs) Because it's like, all the times you've wanted to, like, all the times you're over my shoulder watching me play. Yeah. And, like, you're like, oh, man, what's he doing? Like, why is he playing that? You know, like, you want to say something, but you just can't. Because you'll get in trouble. You totally do it here. So, I think that adds a really cool aspect that isn't available in the individual events um and uh and i think that's really cool and i think that's what's really awesome is that we're getting rewarded with two more team sealed events in the u.s in the next year which actually leads us to the last thing we want to talk about today um over the weekend at the pro tour they announced a number of premier play changes for 2016, um, including the new Pro Tour schedule, the 2016 Grand Prix schedule, a lot of things. There's some regional PTQ stuff that's just too wordy that I don't really want to deal with. Um, they are adding a couple Magic Online regional PTQs, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, they don't really have this just bare bones details on that, but they're happening, so that's neat. Um, there are World Magic Cup qualifiers. There's three different World Magic Cup qualifier dates in 2016, uh, two standard and one modern. Um, now, just to get to the meat and potatoes, it's some of the most interesting stuff. Wow, okay, so I'm trying to figure out what this means exactly. So, series-style events run by independent organizers, right? So, they said that qualifiers will have re- award a 2x Planeswalker multiplier. So, I guess that means, like, uh, Star City Games invitational qualifiers. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, or 2x because they didn't actually. They were only 1x before if they weren't um, if GPT? they weren't tied to like a GPT or something else. Um, 
So that's interesting. And then um, finals events is what it says. So does a finals event, does that mean like an open series? Or does that mean an inv invitational? I guess that means... Huh, that's really weird. So a finals event... I guess that means the actual... Because, wait a minute, so the Open Series already rewards 3x. I think. I have so, no idea. I think it does. So, finals event, so that would be the Invitational... The Invitational itself will be a 4x. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then... Um, also, this is a really interesting thing, is that if a series... So, like the SCG Open Series, for one, is comprised of more than 20 qualifying events wait a minute so does that mean okay so that also means that the scg opens will be a 2x multiplier so that's a downgrade i don't know if that's true i don't know this is really a little confusing but here's the part that's really cool is that the uh winner of the invitationals and the winner of the players championship for star city games i don't know if it's going to be the same for tcg player i don't know if they have enough qualifying events so i'm assuming they do uh like the tcg player invitational or whatever it is um i think that the winner of that might also qualify so they're going to be awarding pro tour invites for the winners of the big of the invitationals and stuff mm -hmm. so that's really cool that's not going to happen until 2016 so that's not immediate uh but that's really cool um and uh they're upping the prize payout for the grand prix um under 3,000 players will be $50,000. Over 3,000 players will be $75,000. Um, so that's pretty sweet. Uh, they are apparently making the prize payout more top-heavy. So that might mean top 64 no matter what the cut is. I don't know. I don't. They haven't actually given the breakdown yet. Um, and, oh, this is another huge piece of news. Anyone who earns a Pro Tour invited a Grand Prix also being granted a travel award. So before, it was only the top eight players of the Grand Prix would receive the travel award. Now, if so like let's say you hit, you're at a Grand Prix where all X2s make the Pro Tour. Those X2s will get travel invites, will get travel awards. Nice. It's pretty sweet. Uh, that's a huge, like that's, that's, that's big money. Um, that's really good. Uh, and actually might cause a lot of Grand Prix to top out. <laughs> because, I mean, just being able to X2, like, in getting a free ticket to Spain, seems good. Or Australia? Yeah, pretty good. Um, another big thing uh, is that in 2016, the cut for Day 2 is going to change to X and 3. So, you know, at X and 3, you don't have as much of a chance to prize but um giving you the chance to play more magic i think that's a really cool thing and uh especially when you're trying to grind the grand prix to hit your buys i think is a really good thing so like you x3'd at dallas you know what i mean yeah and uh you know you could have wound up staying and playing day two and played in a couple drafts. I mean, that you know, that's some cards. It's it's the opportunity to play more Magic and the opportunity to get more points. Uh, especially if you think your draft game's really good, then you have a really good chance of just you know 
rocking the X3 bracket of the of the draft tables and and uh, and making some cash. Um, but also, but the most important thing I feel with being giving given the opportunity to play day two with an X3 record is just the opportunity to grind more points because 8X multiplier is huge. 8X multiplier has me traveling to events I wouldn't travel to otherwise, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I go to Detroit. Oh, well, this isn't going to be relevant for Detroit because it's not going to start to 2016. But, like, let's say I go to uh, uh, Madison, Wisconsin in October, which I am going. But let's say that the X3 cut was still there. And let's say I finished the day X3. You know, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, no matter what, for the second day. You know, I'm not traveling back till the till Monday or whatever. Um, being able to like play six more rounds and grind a few more points is way more valuable than um, playing in some side events and grinding points there. Because I don't really care about the prizes at that point. Um, like for the side events, I just don't really care. I'm I'm there to hit to hit my my planeswalker points um, if I scrub out. Um, so being able to X3 and play day two is a really big thing. I think that's really great. Um, Whoa. What? Uh, the world magic cup qualifier. It's in yeah. Plano. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. December 19th. Oh, this year, this year in Plano. Wow. Very good. That's it... the week after, uh, Grand Prix Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's standard. That's okay. I gotta start playing standard then. Oh, or or just gotta grab a deck and jam it. I mean, whatever. Thalia promo is pretty sweet. Oh, there's a <laughs> there's a Thalia promo. Yeah, that's kind of weird. It's a downgrade that's... from the uh, guys to Saint Trap, but whatever. Mm, it's still pretty sweet though. Have you seen the art? It's like. It's really different. It's like her face covers like the entire photo. Just there's like a sword in like. The right <laughs> side of it. Nice. She'll be crowned King Arthur. Um... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Um... So anyway, 2016 Pro Tour schedule has been announced. Um... Uh, Pro Tour 1, February 5th through 7th, is in Atlanta, Modern, April 22nd through 24th, Madrid, Standard, uh, August 5th through 7th, uh, Sydney, Australia, it's the first time in 10 years, apparently, that they're coming back to Australia, um, and then the 14th through 16th of October is in Honolulu, Hawaii, and that's also Standard. So one Modern, three Standard, obviously all four of those Pro Tours with the related set for the Pro Tour uh, booster draft. Let's see. World Championships are in uh, Seattle, Washington during PAX Prime hmm. next year, which I actually just I just forgot about that. I didn't actually look at that. And then the World Magic Cup is going to be November 18th through the 20th in Rotterdam, Netherlands. Uh, they have not announced the uh, formats for that either. Um, Pro Tour, uh, the GP schedule has been announced. Uh, the second half of the schedule doesn't have as many events as I would like, but, uh, it does have a decent amount of limited. So, uh, it should be pretty cool. I've got a tentative, ambitious list of Grand Prix I'm intending to, uh, to try to get to, uh, from this schedule. I don't want to uh, list them here because 
I don't want my bluff being called. <laughs> I want to I just try to get to these things and, and see if it works out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, I'm really uh, my main focus is 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 hitting two buys for uh, for the new Planeswalker points year that exp- that ends uh, May 31st of 2016. I uh, really want to hit those buys uh, because it would just be great to be able to play, you know, Grand Prix with two buys. I mean, that's just awesome. Um, having one buy was nice, you know, it was great to show up starting off with a win and being able to show up a little late. That's always really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean like with two buys, it's almost to the point, like, especially if I'm like flying in or I could fly in that morning. So that's my goal and we'll see if that works out. But, uh, a lot of, it feels like mostly positive changes. Now <clears throat> there's one very negative change that I want to talk about before we get off this show. They haven't listed all of the tournament organizers for these events, but uh, Steve Port, who runs Legion Events, uh, made a blog post on their website and uh, said that they will not be running any of these Grand Prix events in 2016. And it wasn't their choice. They were basically pushed out by Wizards, um, and they weren't really given a reason either. And... uh, and this, to me, is just sad on a lot of levels. It's it just sucks. Did they run GP DFW? No, that was Pastimes. Oh, okay. And Pastimes, I'm not a fan. Like, I mean, I've actually heard a lot of really negative things. I don't really have anything super negative to say about Pastimes, but I have nothing but great things to say about Legion events. And now... This is the thing, is that Pastimes, did you look at their website at any point for DFW? No, it was really... Uh, it was like a, it, it was like a GeoCities. I, I thought it was like a mistake. Yeah, it was like a GeoCities site from like the 90s. It was like just such a terrible site with very little information and very hard to navigate and just was not user-friendly. Legion Events has always been super good at keeping the players updated of what's going on. Steve has always been super hands-on with handling the events himself and just making sure that we know what... Like, I mean, okay, Legion Events ran the Ice Disaster Grand Prix. The, the last Grand Prix DFW. Oh, yeah. And they did a great job. You know, I mean, you can only work with what, you, with what nature gives you in these particular situations. But they did such a good job of keeping everyone updated, you know, of just, like, posting updates, making sure everyone knew what was going on. And, and, and I just felt like they did such an awesome job with that event. And every event I've ever been to that's been run by Legion Events has just been super smooth, super fun. Um, you know, like, great side events. Just nothing but great things to say about Legion Events. The fact that they've been pushed out by... I'm, I mean, I'm not... I don't want to, like, call out Star City or Channel Fireball. But, like, the fact that, like these organizers are taking on more and more Grand Prix and have like the, the muscle and the money to, um, to host in like larger areas and larger venues. It just, it just sucks. Like it just really sucks to like see a really great tournament organizer like Legion events get pushed out of this because they've just been great. There've been some theories online 
nobody from Wizards has commented yet that I know of. Um, but there have been some theories that they're getting Legion events or Legion whatever. I guess it's Legion events for everything. They're getting into making games hmm. a little bit. So there could be, uh, you know, where Wizards sees them as competition. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. All I know is that the situation sucks and it shouldn't be this way. Legion events should be running Grand Prix events because they've run the best events I've been to. And Well, I mean, that's kind of bogus because, like, the people that own and operate Channel Fireball also operate game companies, <laughs> like other game companies. That, is, right. that would make any sense. Right. So I don't know. You know, but either way, it's, it's, it's a travesty and it's a major loss uh, to the uh, tournament organizing uh, community. And to our community as players uh, who have to travel to these events and uh, and hope that they're that we're being you know taken care of um, and that we're being listened to and and it just uh, it just sucks it's just really a, a sad situation and I'm I'm just I'm pissed about it honestly I'm really pissed about it and uh, and I and I hope that it's made right I hope that like this is the only year I hope they come back in 2017 this doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so that's, you know, sorry to end it on a on an angry note, but it's, you know, y- y'all need to know these sort of things because I know a lot of players show up to these events. And you don't really think about who's running it if you don't go to a lot of them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you just show up, and you're like, oh, sweet, there's a Grand Prix where I live. I'm going, you know, like you don't really think about the ins and outs of, of who's running this Grand Prix and how have they done in the past? You know, are they do they have a good reputation Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. You just you know show up to play, and, and that's understandable. Not everybody has to really be involved in this side of it. Um, but when you you know when you travel to these events, there's just a level of quality you expect, and Legion events has always delivered that level of quality, even when they had to deal with the level of disaster weather that they had to deal with with the the Dallas uh, Grand Prix they ran in uh, I guess that was 2013. Um, you know. Just, just really always did a great job. Never had any trouble there. So, sucks. Anyway, next week, well, we might play in a, in, a, in a PPTQ. Maybe. If I don't go to Houston. Okay, you might go to Houston. Okay. I have no idea what I'm doing next weekend. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'm definitely going to have some more Team Sealed practice getting in. I'm going to have another uh, stream this weekend, so make sure you check that out on uh, twitch.tv slash legitmtg. Uh, I don't know what else is going on. But uh, I guess we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll rank all-time greatest artworks, basic lands, Magic the Gathering history. Um, top 100. It's kind of, we keep teasing that, but we're going to do it. One of these days, we're going to be at such a loss for content that we're going to do it. Um, <laughs> My favorite spin-down dice. Yes. My pre-release. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, cool. So, uh... So thanks for listening. That's all we have for this week. Uh, until next time, we are YoMTG Taps. Stop itching, start brewing. With self-defense, leg swipes, alcohol, toss, molotovs, throwing dynamite. Now they get caught up in a hype for being so tight. Sag with your jeans was hella me, mug, right? Strike, and what they can combine. Leroy Jenkins outlined the highest price. Hip-hop, you rep vaguely. I'm consistent, fresh, daily. I maintain the quiet life during open mics. Expectations is too high. Dreams holding it. I've lost friends and loved ones. Couldn't cope with it.
Yo MTG Taps is available every bloody Friday forever. On legitmtg.com, I want my mtg.com, mtgcast.com, and iTunes. Email us, yo taps at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr, yomtgtaps.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter, at yomtgtaps. Follow me on Twitter, at omgwtfbhjftw. Follow Steven on Twitter, at m00npi. Follow Joey on Twitter, at Affinity for Blue. Featuring music by You'll Never Know and Logic Marsalis. Available at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.